Take your seats. Great to see you here in church this morning. Got some uh, exciting news to share with you today for our one priority giving for this year. And we set a target for $50,000 this year, which we've never done before. But I want to say to you, we're not quite there yet, but we've raised $38,000, So Kyle's going to put in $0.40 cents today and bring us up to that extra dollar, which will be fantastic. But I uh, just uh, want to say thank you for all those who, who've, who've supported that. If you've given a little or given a lot, uh, we want to say thank you for your contribution and uh, seeing the, the building coming together out the front because it's all about making a, a better environment for people. So when it's all done, there'll be uh, concrete out the front so you can walk straight in. There'll be bitumen to park your cars on. Uh, the fence that's falling down will be fixed and all those sorts of things uh, will happen. So who's looking forward to seeing all that finished? Oh, I am. It's going to be fa fantastic. So I want to uh, just really, really say big, big thank you. Let's give ourselves a hand for all of that that God's done. So I uh, just want to speak just briefly before I preach this morning about the, uh, the same-sex marriage uh, business that's been going on. And probably most of you would have received your ballot in the, in the mail. Um, I can't tell you specifically how you ought to vote, but I will tell you how uh, our movement, the ACC, and what they, what they um, believe, and that is that marriage is between a man and a woman. One man and one woman. Let's clarify that too. Uh, so oh, I've got no ideas of changing that myself. Uh, but, but, it, it, but that is our stand as, as our, our church and um, there is very good reason for that. Don't fall for any mistake that it's all about other issues because what it is, it, it's a, a, the first platform to take away our rights as believers and as Christians. So make no mistake about that. It's not, it's not a, a lovely little gesture for, for people who have, who have been disenfranchised in life. We're, we're trying to redefine society when we change things like that. And I think it would be a change for the worse if we were to go down that way. So um, have your vote and, uh, and, and have your voice uh, heard. And I hope that you can see from a biblical perspective that uh, what marriage actually is. And it's not something that is simplified by redefining the, what the word means. It actually makes life a whole lot harder for Christians and for churches to do what they do. So just be aware of that uh, when you cast your vote. Uh, that would be good. Um, so for those of you who've been um, uh, in the church this year, our, our theme for this year, or mainly what I feel God has put on me to preach about, is freedom being free and that all starts with a spiritual freedom that, that starts in our in our heart in our inner being and sometimes we we miss the point of what that is as believers so um, so we've been covering the theme uh, of free and what that means for us the bottom line is I think when we're born again we're born again to be free to be set free of sin to be set free of burdens that uh, get put on us through life so the work and ministry of Jesus is really important that we we don't exclude this but the work and ministry of Jesus included healing people and casting out demons now that could be a very uncool thing to talk about uh, but uh, the casting out of demons is something that I think is really important that we understand that we talk about and we preach about at church uh, some if you want to look up what Jesus did and, and how many times it's referred to it's referred in the Bible a lot 
Um, I'll, give you, I'll just give you four. Mark chapter 1, verses 34 and verse 39 talks about Jesus healing the sick and casting out demons. Um, sometimes the, the healing of the sick and casting out demons went together. So what Jesus did, he dealt with a demon and he dealt with a disease. That's a pretty interesting fact. So um, uh, Luke chapter 13, verse 11 and Mark chapter 9, verse 25, we see that Jesus did that. I'm not going into the full details of all those, but, but one thing I want you to start to think about is the conditions of life, maybe your life, someone who you know, someone who's close to you, someone who uh, you know, that you think, well, some things just don't seem to go away, don't seem to ever get better, no matter what happens. Uh, for instance, I, I know um, that there, there are certain things in people's lives where it doesn't matter, you know, that there's something on their life that doesn't matter what they get, they, they never seem to get out of their problem. You know, Pauline and myself helped, helped a family once and set them up. They, they, like, they were living in, with us for a long time and then, then we found them a house. They moved into the house. We got them furniture. We got them all this stuff. I, I reckon they lasted three months and then they got nothing again. So something else than just that. There's something that is on them that, that causes, no matter what happens, everything you know, just d- disappears again. And I believe that's a spiritual thing, a spiritual condition going on. Uh, Just turn your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 10, verse 38. And it says this, And you know, hopefully you know this this morning, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Who's ever heard of a cockatoo? change the subject a little bit if you don't know what a cockatoo is i'll give you a description it's a large white bird found in australia that lives a long time lives up to 60 years so it's pretty old old codger of a bird but the thing about cockatoos is is people cage them in tiny cages give you a picture of a cockatoo in a tiny cage it's a, a large bird in a small cage. But people cage them in, in these small cages. They're, they're alive, but they don't fly or they don't do what they were, they were naturally designed to do. They're, 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 they're existing, but they're not living. So could it be that people come into church, they become uh, involved in a Christian church, and they come to find Jesus and all that has actually happened in their life because things aren't really dealt with in the full sense of how they should be dealt with. So they've come in from one cage, which is sin and the world, and then they come into church and think, well, I've met Jesus. And then the church says, well, here, here's a cage that we're going to put on you. And so they become like a cockatoo in a small cage, and we don't want to be a kind of church that just takes one cage off someone and then puts our cage on them. We want to bring people into a place of freedom and living that is so liberating and so powerful and so real that they think, I could never go back to what I was. And unfortunately, I see people all the time who think, you know what, oh, you know, pressure comes, uh, issues arise, and, and the first thing they think about, well, I'm going to go back to my old cage. That's because we've only transferred one cage to another. And I want us to be, as a church in one heart church, we're not living in cages anymore. We're going to be taking the cages off, whatever that looks like, whatever that means, in our lives so that we can be free indeed, like Jesus said. So 
Somehow we can end up living in a small cage even though Jesus has opened the door to spiritually living free. That's my launching pad for this morning. So everything that you do when submitted to God is freedom. I'll say that again. Everything you do when submitted to God is freedom. See, life can be like living in a small cage, but freedom will let you live. If we're not wise with our thoughts, everything we have can become a burden and, and a weight, a heaviness. It's all how we interpret life. In Proverbs chapter 15, verse 15, it says, For the despondent, every day brings trouble. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. That word despondent means to be low in spirit. Probably wouldn't describe it like that these days. We'd probably use the word discouraged um, or sad or depressed is, is probably a descriptive word of despondent. But according to this, having a bad attitude will bring trouble to every part of your life. Will bring trouble. So if you've got a despondent, a sad, a depressed attitude, then even when you've got a blessing, you'll interpret that somehow wrongly. So... It says a, a, a happy heart or a good attitude, what that does, it, it brings your attention to life's blessings. And a thankfulness can come. We need, we need to find people around us who are continual feasters rather than the despondent. So sometimes if you're thinking, well, how come I've got such a bad attitude? Look at your friends. And I've heard a, I've heard a, great, I've heard a great saying that says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And I'll tell you what, if you don't, if you don't um, want to have a despondent future, then you've got to start being with people who aren't so despondent. You need to be finding people who can speak into your world, speak into your life and lift you out of despondency into a continual feast. I'd rather be in the feast than be despondent. But bringing that down into life. See, having a business can be a small cage. Or it can be great freedom. It all depends on how you're applying it. Marriage can be a small cage or it can be great freedom. all depends on how you're bringing it. A job can be a small cage or it can bring great freedom. When you have Jesus in all these spaces with you, there is great freedom. This has been a long introduction to ask you this question, what's caging you? Now you might think, but I've had my, my sins dealt with. I, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, I, I go to church. But you know something? I don't want you to leave this place today thinking, well, church has become a cage. Because some people think, well, well church means this and church means that. And, and even, even serving in the local church, some people view that as a cage. You've got to say, no, no, no. I'm not going to let the devil's lies about what this means re restrict me and rob me of God's blessing. Because you could, be, you could be serving in church but having a despondency every day. Well, I'm serving but oh, I have to. That's a despondent speaker. So I've been speaking lately about um, Mary Magdalene and her seven demons. So today is part four of Mary's seven demons. Part B, part four, part B. Who's, who loves all my little parts of my messages? 
It's hard to keep up with, but it's okay. So write that down, Mary 7, Demons Part 4, Part B, and it's fear. The word that we're dealing with today, or the spirit that we're dealing with today is fear. In Luke chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, I'll pop it up there for you. Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. The two go together there in that scripture. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. So if you think of that, here's a woman who's got seven cages of life. Seven small cages that have been placed upon her life. And for sake of um, uh, my illustration today, I'm using license. I have labeled these things. And if you've been in these messages, uh, we've covered some of these already. So I've just made these up. They're not from the Bible. I've just used them as an illustration of what they could have been like. So pride and offense was one demon. Rejection is another demon. Insecurity is a demon. Fear is a demon. We're going to look at that this morning. And then we've still got anger and hate, bitterness and depression, and a wild card, whatever else you want it to be. So uh, we'll get to that one uh, later on. But this morning, I want us to look at fear. I have preached about um, uh, freedom from fear back in March this year. So this is slightly taken from a different angle. But um, uh, fear, we often use this word to describe what we think of things like spiders, snakes, heights. Uh, in fact, um, uh, we can have lots of different things. And, and, and earlier in the year, I spoke about fears and phobias. Today, we're just going to take this thing, fear, and find the times when it's a demonic root in, uh, in life and, and dealing with that. So fear is a cage that people live in. And we want to take people out of the fear cage. So fear can cage the lives of, of families, can f cage the lives of women, uh, perhaps in domestic abuse. There can be a, a deep-rooted fear that, that even if they're taken straight out of that, it doesn't leave them. So it, it will affect every other relationship, every other part of life will be, will be affected by that. Fear can cage business people because they think, well, I've only got one big customer and I've got to keep that customer happy and, and, I, and they live in fear. that What if they lose that contract? What if they lose that, that business? What will happen? So cage can, uh, sorry, uh, fear can cage business people. Fear can cage the teacher. Fear can cage the plumber. Fear can, can cage the preacher. Anyone can be caged by fear. When fear becomes a spirit and gets hold on a person, it gives rise to extreme reactions to normal life situations. Things like this. Can't go on an aeroplane. I can't just hop on a plane because I have a fear of flying. Because I, I fear something's going to happen. The, the, the plane will crash. So I have a fear of flying. So a simple task, well, you just need to, to travel, even for an emergency uh, family situation, but, but you can't because you've got this fear that says, no, you can't. So you can think, well, just go on a boat. Like, I can't go on a boat because I have a fear of water. Well, next thing is get on a bus. Well, I have a fear of strangers, so I can't do that either. 
And sometimes these, these, these small things, these strange reactions about normal life situations go on and on and on. And it's difficult to go anywhere or do anything when fear speaks into your life and says no. You can't do that because. And the because is because fear says no. And it's a horrible way to live. Fear corners and traps. And even when a door is open, fear says there's no way out. The door can be wide open and the fear says, no, there's no way out. You can't go. Fear doesn't operate. You need to understand this. Fear doesn't operate on reason or logic or even experience. It simply believes the worst will happen. And we need to understand that when dealing with, with things that want to restrict the way we live and start to say, well, I haven't experienced a plane crash. I haven't experienced the boat sinking beneath me. I haven't experienced strangers biting my, my face. So it doesn't make logical sense why I have these deep-seated fears about everything. I'm just using those as illustrations. But fear speaks the worst will happen. And he speaks loudly and clearly, stay in the cage. But what Jesus wants to bring into our circumstance, into our situation, is a confidence in him that no matter whether we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even when evil is staring you down, you've got to say, well, I'm not going to fear this. I'm going to walk right past. So living in the fear cage restricts life. Living in the fear cage isolates. And living in the fear cage distorts reality. So restricts life, fear holds life back. You won't go anywhere or try anything because fear will hold you back. It isolates. Fear finds it difficult to trust or have healthy friendships. Maybe it's fear of hurt. Maybe it's fear of of what other people might think if they get too close. So you think, well, I'll just isolate myself because I, I don't want to go through that. But, but it's fear speaking. It distorts reality. Everything looks scary outside of the fear cage. And sometimes we, we get so used to the, the, the cage in which we live, the environment that we put ourselves in, that we think, well, I can't, I can't see what it would be like to be outside of this. And sometimes fear has... Like, it, it appears to be very safe, it appears to be very controlled and very ordered, but you know what? It's not freedom. So we need to, we need to, to allow ourselves to look for the doors out and take those opportunities when they come. And so this happens spiritually. Well, th- these three things happen spiritually when fear gets a hold and gives place for evil to cage up what Jesus wants to free up. In your life, we could call this uh, spiritual strongholds, and that's a, a polite way of saying of it. But to be blunt, we can call it a demon. And we're not very good at confronting these sorts of things because we don't ever want to say, "Hey, that's where I've been living," or "That's what's been affecting me." Jesus has given us, you and I, every Christian, authority in His name to confront and cast out evil spirits. You need to acquaint yourselves with Ephesians 12, uh, verse 22. I think it's 21 and 22, something like that. But, but go home, read Ephesians verse 1, read the whole thing. Go, go, um, go into it. 
And Jesus, it says that all, all the power that raised Christ from the dead, that mighty power that raised Christ from the dead was, was put in him. All authority was, was given to him for the benefit of the church, basically. So when you think of that, we, we are the church. And some people even question, well, uh, 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 you know, is church from God? And, you know, I, I don't have a problem with Jesus, don't have a problem with God, but I just don't love church. You know what? The whole reason Jesus came and died on the cross was to bring salvation to the world and to, to start um, the, the, the kingdom of heaven on earth, which is his church. Now, we, we, you know, and the question is, why do we have so many churches? Well, because we don't all like the same flavor. That's the only reason. It's not that everyone's wrong and we're the only right ones. It's just that we might do it a little bit different because that's what we like. Sometimes, you, you know, you, you get all confused and you, you complicate things. Oh, I have a motto for my life. I want to just live simply. I don't like it when, 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 when I talk to someone and everything gets complex. Well, what did you mean when you said that? And you think, you're reading too deep. Don't overcomplicate everything. But do acquaint yourself with Ephesians 4. Uh, sorry, Ephesians 1. Because that same power that raised Christ from the dead wants to come into our situation, come into our understanding, come into our perspectives and start to uncage us from the things that have caged us. Especially, I, I, I know today, there are people who've come into a church experience and all you've done is gone, oh, I've taken that cage off and I put this cage on. And then you wonder why there's no victory in your life. You wonder why there's, there, there's confusion. You wonder why there, 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 there's constriction. You, you wonder why it's, it's hard to, to have joy. Because you thought, well, I'll take, I'll, I've, I've got rid of this stuff, but, but I like rules and I like conditions and I like all those things and I'll put them on myself. And that becomes a burden that you can't carry. And it's not freedom. Proverbs 20, uh, 3 verse 25 and 26 says, You need not be afraid of sudden disaster or the destruction that comes upon the wicked, for the Lord is your security. He will keep your foot from being caught in a trap. See, terror, anxiety, worry are all fear-related. They all have a root of fear, a spirit of fear. And I want to give you some scriptures that will help you defeat fear in your life. First one is John chapter 10, verses 1 to 3. Jesus said this, I'll tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. Romans 8.38, I'll just come back to that one in a sec. It says, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. See, we can begin a process of freedom from our fears today by a new understanding of God's love. God's love that breaks the fear cage. God's love that's not about replacing cages. 
That's not what we're born again to do is, oh, I'm going to replace the world's cage with the church cage. That's not what it's about. Jesus will lead us out by name. That's the whole thing that I think is so important that we understand is Jesus knows our name. God knows you by name personally. He knows all about you and he knows where you are and he knows where he wants to take you. He calls your name and he'll lead you out, not cage you in. So I love about that scripture in John chapter 10. It says he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So the real application of our message this morning to be truly free is working your way to knowing the voice of Jesus. So when he's calling you to something, you're saying, yes, Lord, I know. And sometimes people uh, uh, are so confused about things, but they're not listening to God's voice. They hear the voice of fear loud and clear. They hear the voice of other people completely, but they're not listening to the voice of God saying, Come on, John. Come on, Jeff. Come on, Kyle. Come this way. We need to stay tuned to his voice instead of the sp- being tuned to the spirit of fear all the time. So if we can apply these little keys this morning, I think you can change the way we live. In 1 John 4 verse 18, it says, Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. You think, what's this talking about? The perfect love doesn't come from me. Perfect love doesn't come from your husband or your wife, doesn't come from your kids. And sometimes we're looking at people thinking, well, if I just had this or that in my life, then I'd feel confident about things. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. The only perfect love that we can receive comes from Jesus Christ. And the the contaminations of that is we we try and describe God's love because of what's in us. And there's impurities in us. There's impurities in people. No matter how good we think we are, we're never pure, completely compared to God's love. And when we're able to say, Jesus, give me a revelation, give me a perspective of of how much you love me, I tell you, when that starts to wash through you, when that starts to penetrate through you and, and all that, every relationship in your life will change. Every cage that others have tried to put on you will, will be irrelevant. Because you're going to say, I'm living in the freedom of God's love. Living in the freedom of God's goodness. Living in the freedom of God's blessing. And that's where we want to stay. So whatever way fear is gripping you, see yourself fully in Jesus' love. Jesus wants to bring you out of the fear cage to lead you to a spacious life, not a caged existence. You want to be set free in Jesus. So when you know, the enemy comes looking for you, he, he finds an empty cage and you're not there anymore. Why don't you bow our heads this, this morning and I'd just love to pray for people today. I want to pray that One Heart Church corporately is set free from putting cages on people whichever way they look like. So we don't want to be the church that says, hey, you've been born again, now put on our cage. No, we want to be a church that spurs one another on in love, takes people on into a greater destiny and future. So Lord, I just pray for that first. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that we be, uh, we be uh, honest 
with the way in which we treat each other, the way in which we uh, interact as a church, that we're not just putting another cage on somebody's life. But Lord, we want to set each other free. We want to spur each other on in the things of faith. So God, I just pray that in Jesus' name, over One Heart Church, that we may be a church that brings freedom and life into everyone around us. And also I want to pray for people to be set free from the power of fear. I don't want to embarrass people today. I don't want to uh, uh, point you out or anything like that. But I know, and God knows, and you know right now, where there's been a spirit of fear, where you've thought, well, I, I don't do that because really deep down, it's, I, I'm scared. I, it, it, there's fear. And it's restricted my life. So I don't do things. I don't go places. Uh, I can't talk to people. I don't feel comfortable because it, it, it is a spiritual fear. Jesus wants to break that today by the power of his blood, by the authority in the name of Jesus. I want to be... I want to be here seeing you today set free from that. I'm going to pray, and if that's you, I just want you to indicate to God in your own way. You don't have to put your hand up. You don't have to embarrass yourself. You just have to say, God, I want to be free today in Jesus' name. And you just say, yes, Lord, set me free. And I know that God's going to show you a way. Jesus will show you a way out of that cage. And once you get out of it, stay out. So I'm going to pray. Fear, go in Jesus' name. Fear, come out of people's lives in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray today that we set people free from the power of fear. In Jesus' name, open the fear cage and walk out. We decide today to submit to the voice of God, to be led out of the, out of the fear cage and to be led into the promise of freedom in Jesus Christ. We pray and ask, Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. I pray that, uh, that as we move forward in the next uh, um, weeks and months of this year, that we can say, Lord, I have grown, I have changed, I've seen the, the cages lifting off me, and uh, take it to God. Say, God, give me a, a, a clearer understanding of what this means in my life, because we need to be free, you want to be free, and you can be free. God bless your church. Amen.